Thanks for listening to and subscribing to the Inside Deschutes County podcast. Wherever you might be and however you might be listening, thanks for making us a part of your day. Be sure to catch us wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find us on Deschutes.org slash podcast. Deschutes County is an amazing place to live. Work work and play. Great place to raise a family. I love the weather and the high At Deschutes County, we provide excellent service. Beautiful. We're here to help you. Deschutes County is the heart of Oregon. Everyone wants to be here. From the Deschutes Services Building in beautiful downtown Bend, Oregon, this is episode two, two of the Inside Deschutes County Pod. I'm so glad they brought us back for episode two. That would have been really bad. I'm your host, Eric Brion. We have a full house today. We have three guests slash co-hosts. Deschutes County Commissioner Phil Chang is here. Welcome. Thanks, Eric. It's great to be here uh, with three awesome county staffers today. I love it. I love it. Uh, County Forester Kevin Moriarty, welcome. You're kind of new to the county too. Yeah, uh, pretty new myself. Started uh, in November. Welcome. Glad you're here. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. And Sarah Worthington from Health Services. And I always forget your title. Good morning, Eric. Uh, Nice to be here. And I am the Climate and Health Coordinator. Welcome. Welcome to you all to our second ever podcast. We're going to get into um, a lot of topics, uh, things happening around the the county, a lot of good things. Uh, I was thinking to myself today, I've worked with Sarah for more than a year on various projects, and today is the first time I've seen her in person. So that's kind of, it's kind of new. It's kind of exciting that we can work together now delightful to be in 3D and to meet you <laughs> finally in person, Eric. And of course, I see Commissioner Chang in the halls and uh, he's doing county business all the time. So um, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's it's nice not to be rushing by you in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you do the, the Coffee with Commissioner events and you've got all kinds of things going on right now. Yeah, there's a Coffee with the Commissioner uh, event with uh, with me on Thursday morning at uh, from eight to ten a.m. at Cafe to Shoots in Bed. Nice, nice. What's your what's your coffee of choice? I'm I, I actually don't drink coffee. Wow! I'll, I'll get myself. Wow. I'll get myself a cup of t- cup of tea, and I will uh, be excited to talk with constituents about anything that's on their mind, their their hopes and concerns about uh, the. the the beautiful community that we live in. Well, that's great. These have been pretty well attended, and so we've had a few of those so far, so that's great. So we hope that uh, people who listen to this podcast will show up and uh, go have uh, coffee with the commissioner and talk about the things that are happening around uh, the county. So eventually we'll get uh, into our discussion. We want to talk about wildfire season. We want to talk about prescribed burns. Well, we'll talk about smoke and the impact on health, and I know that's an important issue for all of you. That's why we're here. Um, but we have some um, other headlines that we want to get to, and uh, um, there's a lot of things happening around the county. So we'll we'll start uh, getting into some of those with the, the May 16th special district election just over a month away. So are you guys all... Everybody's all ready. Yeah, you guys are sure registered. Absolutely. That was a really dumb question. <laughs> I am. Yes, I am registered I, now. It actually took a couple tries, but I'm registered. There you go. They didn't. They didn't appreciate my signature the first time. <laughs> oh, well, no. That's an important thing too, yeah. because I, I've talked to the county <clears throat> clerk about that. That's a whole process. 
about verifying signatures and all that. So yeah, the the document I signed was apparently not sufficient. So you just have a horrible signature. Or what's the <laughs> I, deal? That here? must be quite a signature. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I I think I didn't do it as sloppy as I usually write my signature. So <laughs> oh, yeah, not believable. Yeah. Well, the election includes, this one includes contests for local special special district board members, as well as some other local ballot measures. Tuesday, April 25th, is the voter registration deadline for the upcoming election. And if you're not registered, you can go to OregonVotes.gov slash register. Yeah, I, I, I just want to say I hope people will uh, make sure they're registered to vote and will participate uh, May elections in non-presidential years are often some of the like lightest uh, participation elections that we have, and there are so many important uh, positions that are determined by these elections. School board members, library board members, COCC board members, and others. So um, hope everyone will make sure that their, uh, their registration's up to date and uh, will participate in May. And, or, and OregonVotes.gov is also a good place to double check your status too. So I think you can go there, double check, make sure that you're all signed up and, uh, and able to cast that vote. So that's, that is very good. Uh, we also want to give you an update on the Mule Deer Inventory Project. Lots of interest on this one. And Commissioner, I know you're, you're heavily involved in this one. But simply put, the county, I believe, has been asked by Oregon Fish and Wildlife to regulate additional areas for the mule deer. First of all, you, do you know what a mule deer is? It's the kind of deer we have here. <laughs> it's so not a white-tailed deer. <laughs> I've no. learned that. Yeah. So it's the one with the... Big ears. That's why, that's big, why the they're big, named the big antler. Yeah, big big ears. Oh, big ears. Right. They look, you know, not as big as a mule, but uh, big enough that they remind people of mules. Well, see, that's interesting because I was told it was the fork in the antlers that made it different. Maybe I'm I'm com- Forster. Come on, have you seen some mule deer? No, it's the it's the ears. It's, it's the really ears. Hey. That's why we do this podcast is to educate people on, on, th- on things like this. So uh, lots of interest. Uh, the Planning Commission will continue its public hearing April 27th because there's just been a lot of interest on this. And this is kind of the back and forth between environment and economic interests. And Yeah, I, I, um, uh, I actually don't think that there's that much kind of conflict and controversy uh, about this as some people have tried to make it out to be. Uh, what we know is that uh, the mule deer population in Deschutes County is crashing. Um, it's 50% less than it was just a few years ago. And one of the big reasons is uh, loss of habitat and uh, loss of connection between habitat as, as deer are trying to migrate between summer range and winter range. Um, our ODFNW, the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, did help us uh, assemble some new data to understand better where the deer are and um, uh, what habitat they're using. And uh, this inventory update is an opportunity for the county to recognize where important habitat is and to, um, to, to, to ask people to uh, restrict or reduce certain kinds of activities and certain kinds of land uses 
uh, and emphasize other ones. Are, are you involved in, Kevin, are you involved in this project at all or at least aware of kind of, you know, as obviously that's where these mule deer are habitating is a lot of the forestry, you know, but of course they're probably coming in closer too, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, no, just loosely, I'm not really involved, just, just aware of, you know, um, you know, we designate winter range as far as areas for mule deer and, you know, that, that is a really sensitive times during the winter when they're, you know, don't have those food resources and are migrating and so, you know, that, that is a time where it's really sensitive. Um, you know, I think like Commissioner Chang was saying, you know, we really are trying to expand what the actual range is for their winter range of, you know, what that might be. So just doing more inventory, trying to understand better what those corridors they use and things like that. So, And, of course, you know about the years. Yes. <laughs> very, very, yeah. If I've learned anything today, it's about that. Um, some big changes coming up on the vaccine clinic. Um, the, the, the COVID vaccine clinic. So our last regularly scheduled walk-in clinic, it will occur Wednesday, May 10th. So this is a change. Public health is going to start prioritizing vaccinations for the vulnerable and the high risk. There will still be some scheduled clinics. So, um, so this is a change that we wanted everybody to be aware of. Um, and then, of course, we've got Fire Free coming up. Kevin, I know you know about this. <laughs> so it's really time to put the snow shovels away, although it just snowed here like hours ago. So yeah. um, time to put the snow shovels away, but pull out the rakes and the, and the shovels and, cl and cl put some space, safe space in between your home and, and things that can burn, right? That's kind of what this is about. Yeah, we have a, a whole fire fruit program for uh, Deschutes County and actually some of the neighboring counties to kind of um, coordinate with us on that, that event. You know, at Lot, Not Landfill, May 6th through the 21st, um, you're able to drop off your yard debris free of charge. Uh, they're open from 7 to 4.30. And then we also have the uh, Redmond, Sun River, and Sisters transfer stations as well that um, you can drop, drop off your debris. Sarah's going to do this, right? I have a yard waste bin. <laughs> it's fire-free every week at my house. So. Fire-free every week. <laughs> you, you do it all year round. Yes. There you go. That's awesome. Well, it's a good program, and uh, I'm glad that uh, um, we're getting into that time of year to start um, thinking about um, wildfire. Yeah, and, and this is one of the most important things that uh, – residents of our community can do to increase the likelihood that their home is going to survive a wildfire. Um, just just reducing those fuels around your house. And I, I haven't been here a resident for very long, but there's this has been an issue. I mean, there were big, big wildfires out in the Sisters area, I think, not too long ago, a couple years ago, maybe. I don't, I can't recall specifically. I wasn't here, but this is a good program to help with uh, keep people's homes safe. When early on, when I when I moved to this community, there was a decade where uh, there was a subdivision in Sisters area that was evacuated one out of every two years. So um, yeah, and and uh, you go back in time to uh, the 1990s, and uh, we lost. Kevin might know how many homes yeah, we lost in the structures yeah. in the Aubrey Hall wow. and the skeleton fires. Yeah, so. Skeleton, yeah. so very important. Fire free 
Again, those dates, not landfill, Saturday, May 6th through Sunday, May 21st. In Redmond, starts uh, June 3rd to June 17th. And there are other ones. You can go to the Project Wildfire website. Um, you can go to deschutes.org. And, of course, we'll keep you updated on our social media platforms, those kinds of things as to um, where you can take part. And, again, for free, folks, this is for free. So... Um, please take advantage. Well, this is a perfect segue into our larger conversation about um, wildfire season. It's spring, and that means we're approaching the the time of year where the wildfires do come up. I know this is a passionate topic for all of you. And um, before the wildfire season gets here, what usually July, August, for the most part kind of kicks into full gear yeah for for central oregon i think um you know july early july depends on the the weather but that's when it re- you'll really start seeing a lot of wildfires on the landscape and before that we have prescribed burns mm-hmm. and last year they were paused if i remember that correctly so we might see more of this year is that correct kevin yeah, there. Uh, the U.S. Forest Service uh, has a lot of prescribed burning planned uh, this spring. Um, you, you know, they have this uh, Central Oregon uh, prescribed fire training exchange going on. It actually starts next week. Um, a whole bunch of folks from all over uh, the United States and a couple of folks from outside the country are going to come and learn and burn together and be part of this program that um, kind of took a pause itself during COVID. Um, and this is the first year it's came back. So I think we're all really excited to see that. It's a, a great opportunity for folks from different organizations and agencies to work together um, in all different levels of experience. So people have never even dragged a drip torch to season, uh, you know, fire practitioners are all working together. So, so I, I moved here from the city and prescribed fire is <clears throat> a new thing to me. Can Just on the most basic of levels, can you explain kind of the purpose of prescribed fires and how it works. And some people might be like, why are you out there purposefully setting things on fire? Well, um, if you think of our forests historically, especially in central Oregon, um, they were fire adapted. And and when I say that, it means that they evolved, they co-evolved with fire on the landscape. And so a lot of these uh, species, like ponderosa pine in particular, are very adapted to, to to wildfire, I, sh- I should say. Prescribed fire is about as close as we can come to mimicking that natural fire cycle. Um, there's, different, there's different ways to do prescribed fire. The, the season coming up, the spring, is a lot of underburning, which is a lot of putting uh, fire on the ground at a really low, intense level where you're just kind of cleaning up a lot of the vegetation and brush and extra decadent matter on the ground and it really helps recycle some of those nutrients and it's really good for the forest it uh, really um, you know fits that natural process and it also helps reduce those fuels which is the the big issue you know for for residents is that that fire fuels issue so it has a lot of benefits to do prescribed fire and and we're talking probably what soon right april end of april may i mean yeah, the you know t- I think typically they start uh, late April. Uh, this year, though, you know we've just had a lot of moisture, a lot of snowpack, um, so things might start a little bit later um, because they you know they try and meet a certain prescription where 
your your vegetation has a certain dryness to it. And so if once it gets into that prescription, you're able to, to burn it. But if it's too wet, it just won't work as effectively. So it's kind of what they call like the, the prescribed fire window or weather window that they're waiting for. And that, of course, means smoke. So we're going to start seeing some smoke wander up <clears throat> into the air when these start happening. And Sarah, this is... Yes, this, where there's fire, important. there is smoke. <laughs> and where there is smoke, there is concern about health impacts. So that's kind of where I come in. And my role as climate and health coordinator is fairly new. I've been in this position now for a year. And, um, you know, really the goal of the work is to increase our community's resilience to those types of health effects, such as smoke from wildfires, which we've all experienced many years of long periods of high-intensity smoke that is... Um, very detrimental to health. In the case of prescribed fire, we, we see that as a, a known risk in terms of accepting some smoke um, in our community as a trade-off for um, long-term forest health and um, resilience to wildfire ultimately. And Commissioner, this is an important f issue for you. How, how come? Um, well, as, as Kevin and Sarah are, are getting at, um, for us to be safe in our community from fire, um, we actually need to have fire in the forest. Uh, this is a fire adapted ecosystem that has had tons and tons of fuel build up over many decades when we've tried to keep fire out of it. Uh, so the way to get rid of that fuel uh, is through prescribed fire and prescribed fire produces smoke. It's not nearly as um, it's not nearly as intense or um, as uh, persistent over many many weeks as the, the smoke from a, a severe wildfire. Um, but it is an impact. So it, it's sort of like uh, we we have to all ask ourselves, you know, do you want your fire now uh, during a controlled period? Um, or do you want your fire later in, uh, in the form of a high severity, un, you know, unplanned, uncontrolled wildfire? Uh, and if we want our, our, our fire now so that we don't have the high severity wildfire later, it means we have to put up with some smoke. Um, so that's, uh, that, that's, my, that's how I get interested in, in these issues. You know, we need, it, we need to get rid of the fuel, so we need prescribed fire. So we need to tolerate some smoke. And the fact that we didn't have the prescribed fires last year, we, it seems like we dodged maybe a bullet because the our we had fire, but it wasn't like a big, massive fire. Is are are you hopeful that being able to do the prescribed burns this year will help us kind of? dodge maybe another bullet of having another massive fire with potentially, you know, greater impacts? Um, I think some of those prescribed fires will help to uh, to some extent, but you, you got to think of it in terms of scale. Um, you know, wildfires uh, in the West, especially in the summer, July, August, are, are almost a Western issue. You, you, when I say that, like, we can get smoke from California, we can get smoke from Canada, we can get smoke from Washington. So it, it, you know, we can do what we can locally, I think, which is really helpful um, to, you know, help uh, reduce potential of wildfires. And that's, that's all we really can do. But, 
you know, there is impacts from smoke from all over the Western United States during the summer. We're here with County Forester Kevin Moriarty, Commissioner Phil Chang, and Sarah Worthington, a climate and health coordinator. Health coordinator. I always forget. And uh, talking about wildfires and smoke and the impact. And I, is is there just a fear that this is just the new norm now? I think a lot of people are just kind of coming to grips with the fact that this is just every year now. What? I, Last year, we put out even new messaging in regards to, we created commercials. We do, you know, there were all kinds of things. Uh, are people, will they become numb to this? Or how do we kind of keep it in the, in the forefront that this is still something to pay attention to? Well, it is true that people don't seem to care about smoke when it's not smoky, right? So it is, there is that uh, need for the urgency to get people's kind of attention oftentimes. But I think what we're seeing is this trend towards hotter, drier, summers and overall the trend of having you know reduced snowpack does mean that we are facing um, many years of likely higher fire risk than previous years um, in the past and what that means is that we will regardless of the treatments that we're able to provide on the forests in our region we will see smoke impacts from fires as Kevin mentioned that might be near they might be far away and so what we can do um, in public health is really help support educating our residents around what they can do to mitigate the impacts of smoke in their home, in their day-to-day -day life, when they're you know going taking their kiddos to school, when they're when they're going to work, when they're planning for outdoor recreation. And and that's the message, right? Is just keep it top of mind. I mean, because there's so many people that the smoke can impact, right? I mean, just the, the vulnerable, the people who, who can't take care of themselves, perhaps, or need help, and yeah. smoke, start early. Smoke affects everyone, essentially, but there are some people who are exposed to more harm from smoke, whether it's um, children, older adults, um, people who have existing chronic conditions affecting their heart and lungs. These are all people that uh, do likely might experience more extreme symptoms, acute symptoms, but there's also a, a lot of research showing that, you know, long-term exposure to, to smoke likely has some other effects that, that we might not necessarily see in terms of acute symptoms. And we, we, we really need to, I mean, what, what Sarah is saying about kind of we need to, we need to plan for it and we need to adapt um, and, and what you were asking, uh, Eric, about, you know, is this a new norm? I, I can tell you that um, there's a lot of fuel spread across millions and millions of acres of, of the Western United States. There's a lot of unnaturally high fuel load uh, across millions of acres in the Western United States. And we will, you know, with the, the, the climate getting hotter and drier, fire seasons getting longer, we will, we will have a lot of smoke um, for many years to come. And uh, it's really important for people to uh, adapt. And, and, you know, that can be things like, uh, yeah, I was just talking to uh, our, our, um, our fair board, uh, our fair and expo board the, the other day about how the first week in August may not be the ideal week for them to hold the county fair. Um, and, Interesting. Um, you know, you know, kind of commercial activities, events, our, our daily routines, you know, people might even think about, you know, taking vacations, 
in the switching uh, things you know, up, right? That, you know, leaving the area in the middle of August because it's there's a really good chance it's going to be very smoky uh, here in the middle of August. So um, you know, <coughs> just being aware of that and and planning ahead and uh, changing your expectations um, is something that we can all do. Kevin, I'll give you the last word on this. Is there <laughs> is there a message that you would want to get out in regards to to wildfire season? Obviously, the impacts of smoke super important, but in terms of county forestry's specific, what what message would you want to share with people? Um, you know, it's just being prepared for wildfire season. I think it's really important. Um, you know, that's why we have the fire free days. That's why we really promote um, you know defensible space for homeowners. Um, because that means a lot. We, we can't really reduce uh, our wildfires, at least in the immediate uh, future. You know, we're going to have big life wildfires on the landscape. But we can, do, we can do certain things. And one of those is defensible space around your homes, uh, prescribed fire on our local landscapes, really trying to treat those fuels um, so we can at least, you know, be ready for local fires. Um, and then just understanding, like Commissioner Chain was saying, that there will be smoke um, in the future and just adapting to that, understanding there is a difference between wildfire smoke and prescribed fire smoke. Prescribed fire smoke is just um, not even on the scale of wildfire smoke. So, yeah. Lots more to come on this, sh- on this issue. We'll have to do another podcast. Um, to talk about this probably when we get more into the smoke and wildfire season, but we wanted people to be prepared. So we're just really thankful for um, all three of you to join us on on this topic and the other topics of things going on around the county. Next month, we're going to get down and dirty and talk landfill. So we're going to talk about the landfill siting process with uh, Chad Santola and Tim Brantnell, and uh, they'll they'll be here. And so I'm excited to talk about that because that has a big impact as well. So if you have a question about this podcast or ideas for future podcasts, you can email us at info at deschutes.org. And remember to subscribe. Have you all subscribed? We've got to get the subscriptions going on. Subscribe, rate, <laughs> review. And uh, so just remember that wherever you listen to your podcast, search Deschutes County and we will show up. Until next time, be safe out there.